But how about the implications, you know, because the implications over time can produce possible infertility in, in young women and ladies, um, anxiety, I mean, the depression behind it, or some of the stigma or the body complex issues that can already happen on top of when you're going through significant pubertal self-esteem. Welcome to Kidding Around. I'm your host, Dr. Candace. I'm a pediatrician, wife, and mom, joined by pediatric experts to discuss your kid health concerns. Let's jump right in. Hey, everybody, welcome to Kidding Around. I'm Dr. Candace, and thank you so much for listening. Today, we are talking about PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I know you're like, what is that? For those of you who have it or know about it, this is something we really need to discuss because I'm seeing it more and more in our adolescent girls. Um, and so we tend to think of it as an adult issue sometimes, but it is happening in our teen girls. And so that's why I want to discuss it here on Kidding Around with Dr. Candace. So my guest is Dr. Larissa Ferdinand. She is a board certified obstetrician and gynecologist. She is a women's hormone expert and an integrative women's health advocate and consultant. She's my friend. We, we're connected. Uh, and so I just want her to bring her wealth of knowledge to you guys in this area of PCOS in teens, adolescents, and young adult women. Um, so thank you so much, Dr. Larissa, for coming to Kid Around, Kid Around with me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Dr. Candace. This is wonderful. It's so, so wonderful just to be here with you and just have some girl talk, right? That's right. We caught up a little bit before this and probably <laughs> after two and then on to our busy schedules. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So let's start out with talking about um, what PCOS is. That sounds like a really intimidating word. And it can be. And Oftentimes, just think about it, most of the things, and as you know, in the medical society, um, we have a term, but in some ways, they're different diagnostic criteria. So I like to keep it practical because many times I know how it is to be a mom and come in the office and a doctor could say that or mention it or your clinical provider. And like you said, like, whoa, what does that mean? You know, all you hear is just the little words in between. So PCOS, uh, which means polycystic ovarian syndrome, is more of a, I consider it a more complex metabolic, or we call a hormone disorder. And it's interesting because regardless, it doesn't mean that you have to have polycystic ovaries. So most of the time, women who have this particular syndrome have um, a, a display of menstrual irregularities, which oftentimes that's what brings a mom or a child in to be seen by um, their clinical provider. They may notice a little bit more hairiness, you know, around their face or different parts of their skin. And, um, and part of it too, it may have elements of what we call insulin resistance, uh, which majority of this particular problem, because I call it a multiplex complex problem that you can't box in. It's not a container. It usually has many other attributes to it as well. 
That's it. That's a great way to break it down. And so you kind of mm-hmm. covered those signs and symptoms. It's complex, mm-hmm. it's metabolic, mm-hmm. and it, it, it can have these particular set of signs and symptoms that catches the eye of a parent or a child. And then they come in usually to me. <laughs> And then I go, ding, 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 this might be. And because it is very classic in appearance, I guess some people may not fit the textbook altogether. And I definitely don't see these cysts on ovaries if they have it or not. But definitely, Mm -hmm. like you said, they may have obesity or overweight, Mm -hmm. um, some signs of insulin resistance on the body, excess Mm -hmm. hairiness. So like you said, hirsutism. um, And Mm -hmm. definitely one of the probably most common things that come to me is probably this menstrual irregularity, uh, skipping uh, periods and things of that nature. So definitely, if you're experiencing that young people, or if your child's experiencing that, talk to your pediatrician, they may need to have you do, they may do a little workup or have you to see an OBGYN, right? Yes. All right. So how common is this? And let's talk about what we think causes it. Do we know the cause or is it complex as well? I imagine. It it is complex. And a part of the thought is from what we call chronic anovulation. And that's another big word I'm throwing out there, but it's where you have this irregularity of your normal reproductive, what we call ovulation or producing that dominant um, egg every month. And so when we talk about the prevalence of it, and according to like a reproductive age, it's Five to 10% 5 to 10% of women can experience it in the US. And so that can equal to one out of a 10 women that can experience it. But the interesting fact is about 50% of women go undiagnosed or unknowingly may have PCOS or signs of PCOS because it is really a, a significant hormonal disorder and it impacts many things that you've already said, not only menstrual irregularities, what we mentioned on and topped it off with some of the hairiness, what we call the hirsutism because of another um, imbalance, what we call androgen hormones where high testosterone or androgen-like hormones. But how about the implications, you know, because the implications over time can produce possible infertility in, in young women and ladies, um, anxiety, I mean, the depression behind it, or some of the stigma or the body complex issues that can already happen on top of when you're going through significant pubertal self-esteem, you know, um, and then lifelong, you have implications of diabetes, 50% can produce diabetes, increased risks of cancers of the womb or abnormalities of the womb. And, um, cardiovascular disease, which is very prominent in women as we're celebrating um, right now, heart month. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So a lot to consider, and it can have, like you said, long-term impact on your health. So maybe starting in these adolescent years, but it can be with this person for life. And Mm -hmm. there are some implications that is a good reason why you need to address it as soon as possible, right? Early detection, intervention. And that's what we're going to talk about. So if your child is struggling with these things, you might need to go ahead and get in sooner um, Mm -hmm. and get this addressed to maybe prevent some of those uh, complications that you just mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Who's who's most at risk for this? I would say if you're a woman, 
you're at mm -hmm. risk. All right. The PCOS is not a considered something that a male disorder or hormonal disorder. So any woman technically could be at risk. Um, I believe those women that tend to be higher risk are those women who allow certain irregularities to happen over time and then wait till it impacts them or when I end up seeing them is when they're trying to get pregnant. Like they've known that they've had this problem for so long or they just kind of, you know, tossed it to the side because of something else. But when they're really ready to have kids, um, it makes an impact. Now there is linked to childhood obesity, which I know that you talk a lot about and has been on a lot of uh, platforms because obesity is a factor of many of the plagues of menstrual irregularities or reproductive problems in women now and as they grow older. Um, and so all of these things can potentially impact a woman. So really being a self-advocate and, and self-inventory, even from a mom's perspective, when you notice these type of things are going to have a great impact because many things already are just, you know, is hormonal one, but as women, you know, bringing awareness and understanding is going to be the greatest intervention that you could do. All right. So you said not all women with PCOS or girls with PCOS mm -hmm. will have um, cysts on their ovaries. Mm -hmm. So how do we make the diagnosis? Is it clinical diagnosis or is there some laboratory testing that needs to confirm some things? How does that process go? Great question, Candice. So regardless, a big bulk of the diagnosis is clinical and physical exam. A laboratory tests are there help to support not only your diagnosis, but also um, treatment and how you can individualize one particular female from another. And I think that's really important because there are many things that can mask and people may think they're PCOS, but it could be a primary problem that could be curable from um, primary um, hormonal disorders, from things um, what we call um, prolactin, which is a different type of hormone in your system, or thyroid problems, or things that we don't really think about. So the laboratory studies help not only support your clinical and your and your physical evidence that you have in front of us, and that history is so important. You know, being just very self-exposed about what's been going on um, in a female's history, and then your laboratory studies kind of help. Um, define it a little bit better and especially gauge. And, you know, we can highlight some of those at some point too. Right. Absolutely. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So I think a lot of questions I get are, you know, what labs do I get? And um, I want to first preface this by saying, please understand those first two factors of the clinical and physical diagnosis are vital and important because I've seen women where they may have a slight increase in one number of one of these labs that I'm going to tell you about. But honestly, once I put them on some type of lifestyle management and treatment, now we're starting to get somewhere and they not, didn't necessarily meet all criteria. So your complete blood panels, which are um, like your chemistries, what we call your blood chemistries or your complete blood counts are important. Getting the overall thyroid examination is very important because as Dr. Candace and I said before, women are gonna come in because they're having some kind of menstrual problem and that could be a culprit. Um, there's something called a testosterone, uh, another one, FSH and LH, um, which are hormones that are considered um, 
release from the brain um, that are indicators of what are your reproductive functions can be and looking at those. Uh, lipid profiles, this is actually, yeah, this is not just your mom or dad checking their cholesterol, getting those numbers at an early age makes a difference. And I'm a big one about getting either what we call a glucose tolerance test or looking at the fasting glucose because PCOS is so much more of an insulin resistance problem, meaning that your sensitivity to um, having or metabolizing or knowing what to do with your blood sugars and the, um, the metabolics behind that is so important, which means how your body breaks it down, what's it storing as fat, how your body is like actually detoxing certain things make a big, huge impact. So having some of those key numbers and there's some other tests too that, you know, we won't go down in a lot of it, but um, there's standard panels that you can get outside of testosterone and what we call androgen profiles to kind of help paint that picture a little better and then really eliminate all the other stuff that has a primary treatment as well. Now, is an ultrasound part of that standard workup usually? Yeah, it can be. Now, don't be afraid out there, moms, if your doctor doesn't automatically do an ultrasound, okay? Because some of them may not tend to start off with an ultrasound. I tend to basically do an ultrasound because there are underlying things as far as that can be done. So the first part is more your laboratory testing. This second part is a radiology testing. And so it's safe. It doesn't have radiation. Most of them can be done right from um, an instrument on the belly, but it's non-invasive. And so don't fear this kind of test because oftentimes I have moms scared for their daughters to get it. Right. That's a good mm -hmm. point. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So mm -hmm. let's talk about treatment and I can imagine this is complex. So break mm -hmm. it down how you um, see fit because you mm -hmm. name so many issues, you know, the mm -hmm. metabolic part, the, you know, the obesity factor, so many mm -hmm. issues there, the hormones. Um, how do you tackle this? Just enough uh, for parents to understand because if they're yes. seeing someone and they don't feel like they're getting proper care or they're not sure, mm -hmm. they should walk in with some level of education and expectation of what should be done at baseline. Okay, absolutely. And, you know, for moms or parents who are seeing this, you know, jot down. And if you, and, and I'm a big self advocate of, you know, I'm guilty, we're all guilty as medical professionals that we, we try to break down and explain things as much as possible. But I cannot stress to you ask the questions, ask the questions, mm -hmm. because we may make a slip up and say something that you don't understand. And ask, like, what does that mean? What does that, what does that mean for me and my child? Because I think the biggest thing is to be a self-advocate and especially in, if we're talking about navigating through healthcare and just think of it, health is wealth. So just like you know where you want your money to go, you should know where you want your health to go. So I, I, I can get on a soapbox about that, yeah. Dr. Candace. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. But I think that's really important because no you never know what kind of clinical provider that you, um, that you can uh, encounter and you wanna make sure that you understand what's going on. So I'm a big one about lifestyle. Um, lifestyle and changing things in your lifestyle are really big. Two to 5% of what can be reduced symptom-wise with PCOS or this particular hormonal imbalance can improve with weight loss. And um, I know you've even talked about this in previous shows and podcasts about precocious puberty, 
um, or what we mean by girls getting uh, particularly their periods a little earlier. And a lot of that could be navigated because of hormone disturbances, like their natural rhythms in their body. And so what I mean by that, things that we eat, the lack of exercise or being, uh, being more sedentary or things that we're exposed to in our environment are potential what we call chemical or hormone disruptors. And when you're able to address those in such a big way, you're going to reduce a lot of your symptoms. And childhood obesity is running rampant. Sedentariness in our young, young um, population is running rampant. And um, doing simple tools with lifestyle, evaluating, not just saying cut out sugar, okay, what particular sugars are good, which particular sugars are bad because we use it as a source of energy. How can we become more active? What are the toxins that we're using? I mean, canned goods, big lacers of toxins. And I love um, the Environmental Works um, um, website because they list like your dirty dozen, you know, those things that you want to avoid, how to properly wash your foods. Um, and uh, another thing we, we don't really take into account, but it makes a difference, is really having a support system for our young females when they're going through this. This is a body image time in our young ladies. This is, you know, they're encountering things from their peers and they may feel like they're abnormal. And that impacts them in such a way to bring about anxiety and depression and mood changes where this environmental lifestyle management is so much more than just saying nutrition and eating. This is really like supporting the, the mind and the spirit because oftentimes this can be a shameful time for girls where their self-esteem gets a little punch and we don't, we don't want that. We wanna make sure that they have a supportive unit that is willing to find the answers help them through it. And it could be a big family change because most of the time it's just not the child. It's the whole family that can improve their eating habits and what they do lifestyle wise. That's right. We have to model. Mm -hmm. We can't just say it and then stuff down a snicker <laughs> <laughs> and punish them, you know, and all that. I see it all. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. So um, lifestyle. And then what's next? Okay, so lifestyle. So I'm a big one of really trying to attack um, insulin resistance and um, blood sugar control. And um, some therapy that can be started just depends um, on the physician and who the child is, because it's not a drug that I would like to start early in age, probably after they're 16 or so. But um, metformin or some type of insulin resistant drug is often used. Natural things that you can do within your diet is increase increasing your insulin. There's a supplement called berberine that can be used because moms are seeking more natural solutions now. So I like to make sure that they have those. It's something else called anisotol um, that really addresses more the sensitivity of how they're using their hormone insulin in order to improve blood sugar metabolism and how it regulates in their body. But um, metformin or some kind of insulin sensitizing medication is often used. 
Um, so that goes into underlying complex thing that uh, can be addressed. Um, and then the third um, part of it has to do with what are the other big medications? And I'm, and I'm trying this carefully because being an OBGYN for so long and seeing moms who come in or parents that come in with their child, the minute you say something about birth control pill, the minute you say something about potential contraception, sometimes hormone, it can put you on freeze. And I totally get that. I totally understand that. Um, however, it has been a hallmark of good regulation of periods for, um, for symptomatic control. And I'm an integrative and I'm an integrative uh, physician or I consider myself an integrative gynecologist and I'm one that likes to have all the tools in my box. So am I gonna put everybody in my office on birth control pills? No. Am I gonna put everybody on one particular thing? No. But I do believe it's important to have an informed conversation so you know your benefits, you know exactly what works for your family and not, because nine times out of 10, I might be finding someone who I can put on a natural supplement, but it's gonna take a little while and I might have to do a short period of birth control measures or other hormonal measures to really get that child um, period under control to get them more confident to go to school, you know, because they may either be bleeding too much or not, uh, or irregularity where all of a sudden it's popping up at the most, you know, unwarranted times. So understand, take it with a grain of salt and make sure you answer, ask the questions about the benefits, the risks, what are some other alternatives based on that unique situation. But using some type of contraception or hormonal tool um, is not uncommon when it comes to PCOS as well. Um, other, th I'm sorry, I can keep talking. No, <laughs> keep going, I said that's right. <laughs> Uh, but I do address based on other, uh, and then based on their labs, uh, if they have high testosterone levels, and especially if they're really high, make sure I do some additional testing to make sure um, we're not looking at tumors because there are tumors that can secrete um, extra hormones. Uh, but honestly, if we're looking at this classic PCOS um, syndrome, uh, birth control or hormonal methods can reduce it uh, down as well, but there are natural solutions called um, salt palmetto that can be used. Um, and once again, addressing weight loss and behavioral issues, that's a big one. And I'm, it's kind of under lifestyle, but also with that accommodation of, okay, what is the behaviors that are promoting some of these excess hormone uh, regulation problems. And that makes a big issue. And then of course, if any of the other tests are abnormal, we address those significantly too, because skin becomes a big issue for girls this age, right? And when we talk about hirsutism and um, more hairiness or acne or things where it hurts a female's self-esteem, then, you know, I would tell a mom, okay, well, how about have a girl's day? Go get laser or, um, it, do a wax or there are medications that can reduce that testosterone output or go see a dermatologist if need be. Because these are, like I said, crucial times where you need to think out the box. You know, you're there to support your child and these are, um, it, you know, just strange times. And you wanna look at it from every corner while you're working on the underlying problem, you know, support her in a way where she still feels that, okay, there's something we can do about it and reduce some of the, the outright symptoms that she may be encountering day to day. That was good. That's mm -hmm. a good point on the end there because to a young person, mm -hmm. 
that's what matters. This yeah. on my face and this acne on my face yeah. and I'm bleeding <laughs> unexpectedly and I'm getting, yeah. you know, this could be embarrassing. Yes. So absolutely. They're not thinking about down the road. I might not be able to have a family, you know, none of yes. that stuff. So that's mm-hmm. so important, a comprehensive package. And that's why you are an integra- integrative uh, <laughs> advocate, women's health advocate for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, the other pieces, so I heard you say, they may need to see a dermatologist. Obviously they're seeing the OBGYN. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're always seeing your pediatrician, yeah. but also because of those body image issues, you may need a therapist. Yes, You, you may need mm-hmm. to have a mental health counselor or a therapist to mm-hmm. find coping skills to deal with yeah. all of this. So Great. make sure that parents don't forget that piece because it could lead to depression and anxiety these different types of things and God forbid suicide. So pick up on that and get your child some help in that area as well. This is a a comprehensive problem that will need a comprehensive approach. Like you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And I think you talked about prevention, that lifestyle, 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 early detection, early intervention is key with with preventing this. Now, as far as the biology and chemistry and and metabolic nature of this, is there anything you can do to prevent it? Like just by preventing obesity alone, could it prevent PCOS? I'm a big proponent of the cleaner your lifestyle is, the more, the bigger the prevention is going to be. And what exactly does that look like for many people? So I think the minute you start raising a family and incorporating clean, when I talk about clean, I'm not talking about, oh, your house is freaking span and all. I'm talking about clean eating. So um, the less prepackaged food, the less refined sugars, the less anything that um, that is quick to go, most likely is laced with a lot of things that are unhealthy over time for our bodies. And I always, I always look at the scales and the load. I understand, you know, busy moms, you, you, you have your go-tos. I get that. But you just want to make sure that scale is a little higher on the end of um, eating a lot of plant-based foods or green foods, um, things that are going to help detoxify, meaning, you know, eliminate bad stuff out of your body and start, you know, becoming more active, you and your family. And I think that starts from the beginning and because it's a lifestyle thing and we're not perfect at it. I mean, I'm not perfect at it because I'm a Louisiana girl. I grew up eating, you know, and I'm very, you know, point blank with that. And so with that, I had to learn the right things to eat for my body. I had to learn how uh, active those things and incorporate, you know, my family members into that journey as well. And it can be difficult, but it's doable. You know, these challenges may come, but they're doable. And the earlier the earliest you can do it, it becomes habit. And if it becomes habit, it becomes lifestyle. It becomes lifestyle, it affects generations to come. Because I'm all about transgenerational changes make the biggest effects. But whatever you can do now is going to still, you know, be able to knock out a lot of the potential havoc that um, improper lifestyle and habits can turn to later. 
Absolutely. And that, that's a good way to end the specific questions we had. Um, and I, I just want to say right now, my kids are upstairs. I apologize for the background noise in this recording. There's nothing I can do about it. They're banging, screaming, hollering. This is what happens when you're trying to work and, you know, have kids at the house during the pandemic. So I apologize. <laughs> we'll try to get that edited out. But, I, there, you know, if I run up there and yell, that's going to be in the record. So I'm just I'm just rolling with it. <laughs> this is life. Uh, so let's end by, you already mentioned some wonderful resources, mm -hmm. um, but let's end with talking about your platform, giving us your social media, media handles, your services you offer, give them your information. And then you talked also about uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, clean foods, but also clean products. Um, try to be careful about clean products when cleaning your house, what you put in your hair, mm -hmm. on your skin, those types of things. There's apps out there. There's websites to teach you how to be clean in those areas as well, because I wanted yeah. to mention that. And we've talked to me, you and I have talked about that a lot. Yeah. So definitely. Um, and if you have a website for that, give that to us. So mm -hmm. so shoot, tell us all about you. Yeah, so sure. So it's one. um I'm going to answer, I'm going to start with the last thing first, because I thought that was a good thing to, to bring up. So things like Thrive Market, ECW, there's um, uh, another one that, uh, as far as apps, I'm sorry, that can help out with, okay, what you're eating, how you're eating. Um, and then most importantly, knowing what kind of toxins are out there that um, from cosmetics. So it's a lot of literature and most importantly, apps that are out there now that are gravitating toward you really understanding what's in a lot of these products. And unfortunately, with the beauty and the cosmetic uh, industry, you know, it's a lot that can be laden with that. So you want to make some trade offs or uh, figure out what's there, but where to find me. So you can find me at www.drlarisa.com. And that is my website. It's a full-fledged platform of information. And you're going to see there that, yes, I, I am a hormone expert, a women's hormone expert. And I deal a lot with women going through perimenopause changes and above and beyond. Um, however, so I think it impacts most of us to understand um, a lot what I'm about, which is hormone optimization is lifestyle optimization. Right now, we have a global industry and a global community that is out there really seeking to understand and help women because we are impacted more over time. And it impacts our function, our productivity, our power, how we show up for our families and ourselves. And this industry is booming because we need to help our women. And so I'm all about being an advocate and mentor in this space. And if you would love to work with me about how I do that, uh, it's, it's a beautiful transformational experience because it is more science-driven. I deal with uh, what we call epigenetics and understanding how environmental changes affect lifestyle and chronic disease, immunity, and things that we do every day. My social handles are at Dr. Larissa, so D-R-L-A-R-E-E-S-A, -E -E or on Facebook at um, The Estrogen Doctor. And um, other than that, you can literally Google or find me anywhere. And anytime there's a conversation about women's advocacy and health and uh, understanding hormone balance, 
uh, I love being part of that dialogue and I love being part of changing young ladies now to really uh, expand their lifespan and longevity later. So wonderful. Yes, I'm going to be a client as my door slams because my daughter just ran in. <laughs> this is like, I got so many bloopers <laughs> going on. <laughs> but yes, I'm going to be a client of Dr. Larissa. We've talked about this before. Uh, not to give you all my business, but <laughs> I need her for some hormone optimization. Uh, but thank you, God. Thank you so much, Dr. Larissa, for uh, talking to us about a, a topic that's very tough for young ladies. Mm -hmm. um, and so hopefully this was helpful. And I, I just thank you so much for finding the time because you're a busy lady. I know we're, hey, we're, we're changing the world one day at a time, right? It's, it's powerful. <laughs> yes. I'm All right. Thank, thank you. And thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please stop what you're doing and subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. And follow me on social media at Dr. Candice MD. For more information about me and for more kid health information, go to my website, drcandicemd.com. Thanks for listening.